Well, we're beginning to get excited about Missions Month in July. How many of you know what is the mission statement of Kensington Temple? London and the... Oh, all right. I didn't realize that at the nine o'clock, and I was thinking, wow, look at that. Look at that. Everybody knows the vision. London and the world. Thank God for what the Lord wants us to do in London, but we have a world vision. And we need to take the next steps in that world vision. Kensington Temple, 109 different nationalities across our network of churches. Last time we did a census. And so this coming month, we really want to revolutionize our thinking. Seek the Lord. Jesus didn't just say, go into the neighborhood and preach the gospel. He said, go into the world. And it's important for all Christians to have a global world vision, and especially in a house that has so many different nations together. In fact, our own senior minister is not ministering to you this morning because he is just up the road in Bayswater, Porchester Hall, where we have our Brazilian church, and they are celebrating their 10-year anniversary, and so he's going to be ministering there this morning. So I get an opportunity uh, to be with you today. Later on um, in the evening at our 7 o'clock revival service, uh, we will be, I will be ministering on the topic, the Holy Spirit, your senior partner. We're very grateful for such books like Good Morning Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner from uh, David Yonggi Cho. But we really need to ensure that he is our senior partner. Because often in many Christians' life, the role of the Holy Spirit is at best junior partner. Oh, Lord, would you bless me? Oh, Lord, would you do that? Oh, Lord, would you fix that? Oh, Lord, would you do And it's amazing with his servant heart how much he does help us. But one of the big keys in our minds, if we're going to do what God calls us to do, we have to understand we are a junior partner. He is the senior partner. He has instructions and leadings and plans. And unless we partner with him, it's not going to take place, friends. Everything depends on our relationship with the Holy Spirit and his flow in our lives. So not only will we be ministering on that tonight, we're going to actually ask the Holy Spirit to come powerfully and we'll be praying and ministering to people as the Holy Spirit leads us. Well, if you have your Bibles with you, I would like you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 18 and verse 1, please. I feel led to speak on the topic of the potter and the clay this morning, the potter and the clay. It's wonderful to have all those at the coronet with Christian Live over the road, just opposite McDonald's. The congregation joins us for the ministry of the world, so welcome to you. We're in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, and it seemed good to the potter to make. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The instant I speak concerning a nation, 
and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it, if that nation against whom I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I thought to bring upon it. And the instant I speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it, if it does evil in my sight so that it does not obey my voice, then I will relent concerning the good which I said I would benefit it. So here in this passage, we see that the Lord speaks to his prophet Jeremiah and says, I want you to go and I want you to go and see something because in what you're about to see, I'm going to reveal something very important to you, Jeremiah. I'm going to reveal the relationship between God and humankind. And that relationship is ultimately the picture of a potter and the clay. Now, this theme of the potter and the clay, God and the people, is a theme that we find in various places in the Bible. And I just want to read a few passages so that you get a feel of what the Bible is speaking about the subject of the potter and the clay. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 8 reads, But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter, and we are all the work of your hand. Isaiah 29 and verse 16, You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay, and the thing made should say of its maker, He did not make me. Or the thing formed, say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. Jeremiah 18.6 O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Moving to the New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And then finally, Romans chapter 9 and verse 20. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay? to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? So in those few verses, I read them out because I wanted you to just get a feel from the scriptures concerning this theme of the potter and the clay. Because in this picture of the potter and the clay, we find the ultimate relationship between God and humanity, their roles, their respective positions towards one another, the potter and the clay, and the attitudes of the potter and the attitude that the clay should have. And I just want, I've got some simple thoughts to bring to you from this profound subject that we've just read in Jeremiah and various passages. The first thing I want to say to you this morning is that clay is nothing without the potter. Note, God is the potter. We are the clay. Isn't it true in creation, in Genesis, 
that when God created mankind in his own image, what substance did he use? Dust or clay. He took that clay. Now think about that. That clay. Of itself, clay has no purpose, no form, and no shape. No development, no design of itself. Clay is just there on the ground. No power of itself to form itself or to produce anything of any value or beauty. Clay is worthless until it is put in the hand of the potter. We read in Jeremiah chapter 18 about the potter and the clay and that Jeremiah was to go down and view this scene. And out of that, God said this. He said, look, I, I am the potter and the nations and peoples of the world, they are my clay. And I can do with them whatever I choose. He says, I can raise up a nation and form it to be great. But if that nation rejects me or turns from me, I have power to bring it down. Or if a nation that has rejected me turns to me, I have power to raise it up. What God is saying is that he is sovereign over all nations, all peoples, and all persons. How many of you know our God is in control? He is sovereign. That means he's king, he's ruler. Even if it appears that he isn't, he is. The sovereignty of God is this, my friends, that God can ultimately do whatever he pleases, whenever he pleases, with whomever he pleases. Oh, how the clay hates that. That God can do whatever he pleases, whenever he pleases, with whomever he pleases. This is the potter. And interestingly, in some of the verses that I read, in this image of the potter and the clay, you get this bizarre scenario where the clay is answering back. The clay speaking to the potter. You didn't make me. You didn't form me. What have you got to do with me? Or the clay complaining, as in Romans, saying, you, who do you think you are, God? What do you think's happening? And, and the idea that the potter would be able to speak to the clay. What a bizarre idea. We hear a lot in these days of man-centered religion about the rights of man. But I'm here to preach the sovereign rights of God. And God is on his throne. And God is the potter. And we are but clay, lifeless, formless, purposeless, until we come into his hand. The potter. You know, there's a message to some of us today. The potter, of whom we are his clay, is saying this to some of us. Shh, just be soft in my hands. Shh, quiet. Isn't it a bizarre thought? Can you imagine? It'd be like some Disney film, wouldn't it? You've got the potter, and he's forming the clay. And as he's forming that clay on that wheel with his hands, the lump of clay is speaking back. What are you doing? I don't want to do that. I don't like that. I want to be formed in this way. This is my plan. I want to do that. What are you doing? Stop. Ow, ow, tickling, hurt. It's like a Disney thing. I don't like what you're doing. I don't want to be a cup. I want to be a bowl. And then you've got the potter going, shh, quiet, or I'll leave you a lump. 
This is important for us to understand because we need to bow our knee and say, Lord, I am clay in your hands. You see, the clay doesn't talk. The clay doesn't answer back. The clay, what our job is, is to make sure that we are soft in his hand. Because you either have hard clay that you can't form or mold or fashion, or you have soft clay. This is why the Bible speaks very much about having soft hearts. You know Hebrews? The author of Hebrews was warning the people who were about to backslide. He said, don't harden your hearts. Don't become hard clay as they did in the the children of the wilderness under Moses. And what is he saying? He's saying, we have to be careful that we don't harden ourselves to the potter's hands, that we prevent him from forming and planning what he has for us. And the problem with the children of Israel is that it says in Hebrews 3, it says, hear what the Spirit is saying today. Don't harden your hearts or you won't be able to be formed. The second thing I want to say out of that is that God has a plan for you. The potter is God and God is a good God. He is love. And our God is a God of design and a God of purpose, a God of plans. You can see the scripture in the old authorized version behind me saying, he wrought his work on the wheels. We are the potter. But God's design and purpose is that he would work something in our lives Something that will be of great beauty and something that will be of great use. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says this. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now the word for we are his workmanship, it comes from the Greek word where we get our word poetry. You could, it's not quite the right translation, but you could translate it a bit more literal and say... We are his poetry, created in Christ Jesus. That means this, that God has an intention for your life and my life and our life together. That he is working even now, if we let him, on our lives to mold us and to shape us into a God-shaped work of art. God wants you to become a work of art, but not just a work of art, but a work of art that is useful. The New Testament speaks that there are many utensils and vessels in houses. Some are beautifully gold and silver and some are clay, but all have their use. The potter doesn't create things that aren't of use. So he wants us to be a thing of beauty and a thing of use. You say, well, what do you mean a thing of beauty? Whatever art form is on the face of the earth, whatever that art form means, one of the things that art form is, is an expression of the person that creates it. So when you look at a beautiful painting, it expresses something of the painter, or a dance, or music, Or as I was saying earlier in the service when we dedicated a young man's son and the young man is a top flower arranger. His flower arranging is not just flower arranging. It's an expression of who he is. He's the one that chooses the flowers. He's the one that fits the occasion with the right flower arrangement. And so when we look at the potter and the clay, you must understand 
things are not happening by accident, but God is at work in your life. And as I'll say, the softer the heart is, the softer the clay is, the easier and quicker will God fashion his purposes in your life. Now, think about the clay, because that's who we are. Often the clay is unaware of the plan of the potter. I mean, it's just a lump to begin with on the potter's wheel. It doesn't know. It can't see. If you were to go with Jeremiah into the potter's house, what would you see? Have you ever seen a potter work his work on the clay on a spinning wheel? And you would see that the potter was absolutely concentrated, focused intimately on this lump of nothing to begin to form it. In the potter's mind, he knows what the end is. In the potter's mind, he knows this lump is just a lump. But in the potter's eye and vision and creative ability, he sees the finished article. So sometimes in our lives, we don't really know what's going on and we're wondering, is there a purpose for me? Some of us aren't even on the potter's wheel. We haven't even come to a knowledge of God or Christ yet. It's time for you to get on the wheel. Because without the potter, we are useless and purposeless. But with the potter, he can create something beautiful. So what this requires of the clay, according to this picture, is a quiet, trusting submission in the hands of the potter. There is far too much noise in the kingdom of God today. Far too much back chat. Far too much inappropriate questioning of the things of God. Why? The Holy Spirit is the one that molds our life if we yield to him. And the word of God that is living and active has power to mold us and make us into that article, that finished article that will be both a thing of wonder but also a thing of tremendous use. God is seeking to form beautiful, active disciples. And so, I'm not saying we can't go to God and speak to him about our problems and difficulties. I'm not saying that. This is higher than the low-level type of, uh, you know, baby talk to God. I'm speaking about something high today, something great. I'm speaking about something that is ultimately in control of everything. I'm not speaking about little bits and bobs, which are important. I'm going beyond that. I'm taking you by the Holy Spirit, if possible, to a place of sovereignty and awesome understanding of who our God is, that he is in control of all peoples and all things, but at the same time, he's looking for someone that will be pliable and malleable in his hands, somebody that he can form his image, somebody that he can use for his glory, somebody that doesn't talk back, but learns just to rest and to say, Lord, have your way with me, mold me, make me, shape me, I trust you. His fingers are working in your life, my friends. The fingers of God and the Holy Spirit are attempting to mold you, change you, fashion you. Even if you don't see it, that's what he's doing. Out of the shapelessness comes purpose. 
out of that which is a lump will become something that can carry in this day and age the wonders and glory of the gospel and the powers of the kingdom of God. The more we yield to the potter's hand, the more we will reveal the potter's purpose both in our life and in this world. The third thing I want to say to you this morning is let him work you on his wheel. If you were to go into that potter's house, you would see the clay and you would see the potter. But you would also see the wheel upon which the potter places the clay. I've already said, and I want to re-emphasize this, that you are clay. You are not the potter. That's the problem today. Too many clays thinking they're potters, advising the potter on how to form them. (laughs) You aren't the potter. And because you're clay, without the potter that is the true and living God, a life fashioned without God is not beautiful, it's ugly. It's not useful, it's useless. A life outside Christ, according to the potter, is both an ugly life and a useless life. Welcome to Kensington Temple. 11 o'clock service. I said, a life outside Christ is an ugly life, formless life, shapeless life, useless life, lost life. That is the declaration of the Scriptures. But a life in the potter's hands, oh, we're talking about altogether something different. A life yielded to God is a life that God, he can take the useless and make it useful. He can take the ugly and make it beautiful. He can take the broken and make it whole. He can make something that is distraught, despised, and he can make it into something that is a vessel of honor. Isn't it funny? It seems to me that in Christianity, God seems to choose all the worst lumps in the clay field. Not many of us chosen were wise, not many of us rich, not many of us famous, not many of us with political influence. It seems that God, in his infinite sovereignty and understanding, takes the things that are rejected and chooses those things that are base and those things that are excluded from society and those things that are hidden and those things that have no power, no influence, no status and delights to take that type of clay, put it on his wheel and fashion something that can confound the wisdom of this age, the powers of this age, and the false religions of this age. Are you a candidate this morning? Are you humble enough and base enough? Are you not, have you got to a place where you're small in your eyes? You understand that you're clay, that without God, you are formless, void. There's no purpose in your life. There's no beauty in your life. Once you understand who you are and how much you need God and you put yourself in his hand, all things are possible. God can make you into something beautiful. He has a plan. He sees you as he wants you to be. 
We're a work in progress. Let's not block his progress. Let's get soft so that the work can be done quick and easy and the glory of God can fill these vessels. You know, as I've said, so often the clay seeks to be the potter, rises against the potter or decides what it wants to do. I said it's the Spirit of God, if we let him, that will mold us. That's why tonight when we talk about the Holy Spirit, our senior partner, he's the senior partner. He has authority. We need to yield and understand what that is so that he can shape and make us. But also the Word of God, if we come to it with soft hearts, the Word of God, if we come to it soft, ready, the Word of God will mold us in all its forms, reading the Word every day, preaching of the Word. The Word will form us. But unfortunately today, there's too many clay Christians coming and molding the Word. Oh, I like the Bible, but some of it's a bit old-fashioned. Not sure about some of the moral things here. That's a bit old-fashioned, a bit Old Testament. No, 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 no. We take that out. Oh, I'm not sure about this bit. Don't like that bit. I'll take that bit out, that bit out. Oh, I like that bit. That, that's a good bit. I'll keep that bit in. What are you doing? Molding yourself, the Word of God, in, in your own image. Oh, hallelujah. Can you see how powerful this picture of clay really is? It's such a simple thing. You're clay, but clay, not the potter. Oh, glory to God. Now, you say, well, what is the wheel? We have a potter. We have clay. What is the wheel upon which God puts the clay to fashion it according to his purposes? Well, the wheel is the circumstances that you are in presently. Whatever circumstances you're, you're in, whatever stage of life you're in, good or bad, blessed or difficult, trial or wide space, prosperous or adversity, whatever place you find yourself in right now, that is the wheel. Those circumstances are the wheel of God through which he fashions you upon. This is why it's so important that when we face trials, tribulations, and every stage of our life that we say, Lord, here I am. These are the circumstances I'm in. This is where I'm in, in, in life. Lord, fashion me. Fashion me. Whatever comes your way, God is sovereign over. Do you know that? Whatever comes your way. It's no secret to him. Nothing is hidden from God. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows tomorrow from yesterday. He knows next week. He knows next year. He knows everything that you will come into contact with in your circumstances. He knows everything you will ever face in your life. And if we are soft as clay, he will use those circumstances to fashion something that is a sign and a wonder. We talk about signs and wonders and we need a lot more. I mean miracles and healings and signs, supernatural signs to, to, to show a naturalistically bound world that God is alive. But the greatest sign and wonder on the face of the earth is a soft-hearted Christian who has been fashioned by the almighty potter. Because God is fashioning you for a purpose and a plan. And the devil himself cannot resist the power of a soft-hearted Christian. Can't cope with it. Love's hard-hearted Christians. 
Because some of them are more of his image than God's. Oh, soft hearts. Soft hearts. What is a soft clay? It's obedient. It's obedient. It doesn't resist the fingers and hands of God. How many of you know that when the potter, when he fashions the clay, he does it in many different ways and styles. Sometimes you can feel the light touch and fingers of the Spirit and the Word on your life. Slowly, fashioning, lightly, the Spirit moves. Lightly, the hands of the Father, delicately forming you, delicately, delicately fashioning you on the wheel of circumstance. But other times, you can feel his thumbs pushing hard into your life where he's beginning to fashion something with his strength and you feel the strength of your hands on him and you think, God, stop. He says, trust me. What's the purpose of this? Trust me. I see the final result. You're going to be better than you were before, stronger than you were before. The fashioning hands. And the softer you are, the easier it is. Come on. There's enough of us who have been around the block a few times in Christianity. We've known what it's like to have beyond the potter's wheel pretty hard-hearted. And God's like, we're like, no. We're like, no, I like me as I'm shaped right now. In fact, I'll be shaping myself from now on, thanks God. <laughs> Bruce Atkinson, the Holy Spirit's senior partner, thank you very much. I'll tell you, I'll ask, ask you when I need you, Lord. And God's like, even in the passage in Jeremiah, we see that he had to reform the pot that he'd made with Israel. How did he do that? He took it and he smashed it and he broke it. And uh, sometimes he will break his vessels on the wheel. Sometimes he will crush his vessels on the wheel. But know this, he only breaks to make. He only crushes to create. He's good and can be trusted in all circumstances and situations. Some of us have had a hardness against him in past times and have known the severe hand of the Father chastening us on the potter's wheel because we wouldn't soften, we wouldn't voluntarily soften ourselves to be pliable to his fingers. He took his fist and he broke us to make us and he crushed us to create us. How many know what I'm talking about? How many have learned the lesson it's better to soften than to be made soft? Oh, it's a lesson to be learnt. It's a lesson to be learnt from the experience of others and the Word of God. Don't go through it yourself. Soft clay moulds best and easiest. Sometimes God, He takes the clay and He pushes and it's soft on the outside, but then as He gets in, it gets harder. There's a veneer of softness, but there's a hardness within. What is this hardness? It is the works of the flesh, my friends. It is anger and unforgiveness and bitterness and self-seeking and pride. It is working life according to the pattern of this world and not a pattern to God. 
Hardness is a life devoid of love and submission. A life self-focused, self-satisfied that does not look to the needs of others. What is a soft clay life like? It is a life of the fruit of the Spirit. It is a life living in the light of the love of God. It is a life that looks to the harvest field, the world, and says, what's my part in the mission that you have on earth? Because let me tell you something. God has a plan, and he's fashioning you for that plan. But that plan, in the end, is going to the world in all its forms and ways of reaching the world, in all its different levels. God is forming you, not just to be beautiful. There's many times when Christians want to be beautiful, And they have beautiful conferences on beautiful themes about beautiful doctrines, about how God's going to beautify us and bless us. And all those things are wonderful because I've already said that the potter's plan is to create with you something beautiful. But if it's beautiful and useless, it loses its beauty. Usefulness. You know... When Jeremiah went to the potter's house, around that house would be the potter's field or the potter's yard. If you know anything about pottery, I know very little, just enough that I studied to be able to do this sermon. You know, you study sermons and then you sort of like, I know nothing about this. So you Google everything you can and then you turn up like an expert. (laughs) I'm not an expert by any means. But... If somebody is an artist and uses pottery and sculpting and all that sort of thing, you'll probably find that in their yard, there's all manners of discarded material. So I can imagine that as Jeremiah came into the potter's house and out of the potter's house, he would look at the potter's field and he would see all kinds of wreckage. He would see vessels of no purpose, broken vessels, wrecked vessels, half formed vessels, marred vessels, cracked vessels. Even today, isn't it? You can, you, if, if you ever watch those um, uh, archaeology programs, they're always finding pots, aren't they? It's like, you've never known anybody get so excited over a little bit of plate or a little bit of pot. Someone goes, they dig in for hours, and then they go, look, what is it? It's a tiny fragment of a Roman bowl. And you're sort of like, yeah, that's nice, but I wish the whole bowl was still there. It's 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 something from the past, true, but it's of no use. It might even carry within it the semblance of beauty that it once was, but it's of no use. This potter's yard is filled with wrecked, half formed, marred. And, you know, if we're going to speak about the potter and the clay, as well as the encouragement of knowing that God is in control. If you place yourself in his hands, he has a plan for you. The circumstances that you are in right now, whatever they are, good or bad, hard or or fun, God, that's the wheel, and he's fashioning you. But don't resist him because you'll prevent his fashioning. And he's got no other plans for you than the plans he has for you. Let me say that again. He has no other plans for you than the plans he has for you. He's he's not going to listen and make something different. He's not going to go along when the potter says, "Uh, make me a cup, please. No, no, I've decided you're a bowl. I'm going to be a cup. 
He just said, well, I'm just going to keep working on you as a bowl. You can harden. You can make yourself difficult. But I'm, I, I have my plans for you, says the Lord, plans of a future and a hope. It's about trusting God. Plans for a future and a hope. What have we already said about the clay? The clay left to its own devices is useless and worthless and formless. Oh, there's plenty of people outside Christ that would reject the words that I say, but then they would also reject the Savior that I save and the Spirit of God that I preach from and would say, how dare you say? It's not my words. If it was, it would be blasphemous, but these are the words of God. And in the potter's field, there are broken vessels of humanity. You know the Bible word for lost? Seeking the lost. Do you know what the word apollomai which is the Greek word for lost. The New Testament was originally written in Greek. The word apollomai, lost, means perish, perishing. You know, when, when they say something about, uh, about um, a tap or something like that, they say, oh, the washer's perished. The washer has perished. What does it mean? It means it's still there, but it's perished. It's of no use. Or your car tire has perished. You can go to dumps and see loads and loads of perish tires. They're still there. They're tires, but they're perished. What do you mean perished? They're of no value to God. And let me tell you, I'll tell you what value is. Value is what God says is valuable. What the world says is valuable is not what God says is valuable. God says that human beings are valuable when they're on his wheel. If you're not on his wheel, you're not being formed. Or if you're being formed, you're actually being a disfigurement of what you are meant to be. Because who you are and who you're meant to be lies in the potter's mind and hands, not yours. It's not you that, de that determines what you're to become. If you try and form your life and yourself without God, you are a disfigurement of the you that God wants you to be. And you will not be happy. You will not be content. You will become a disfigurement. You will become a wreck of what you were planned to be. You will become marred, half-formed, non-formed, in that field, broken, useless, perishing, lost. But it's only one step of faith onto the potter's wheel. And then the moment you're on that potter's wheel... God can begin to mold you. And you know, whose are these hands? See in the picture there. He wrought his work. Who are these hands? And if you were to look at the hands that seek to mold you on the wheel of your circumstances of life into something both beautiful, the real you, as he intended you to be, and useful to God himself. On this wheel. I've just lost my thought. Too busy thinking about beauty and usefulness. What was I just saying before that? Well, before that. Oh, thank you, thank you. One person is listening. No, I'm not joking. I forgot. I just got, I just suddenly had this beautiful vision of every one of you being everything that God wants you to be and also useful. And I got lost in it. So I apologize. Whose are these hands? These are the hands. The hands. And these hands have scars. 
This is not some sort of angry, hateful, dictatorial God. But these are the hands of Christ himself. And on those hands are the marks of suffering. Wounded hands. Molding wounded lives into precious, beautiful vessels for the master to be filled with glory and honor. Clay as we are, he'll fill us with your glory. And I want to start coming into a, a land here and speaking about his hands that, are, that have got the nail scars as he molds us. And speaking about the potter's field reminds me about a potter's field in the New Testament. I won't turn to it, but it's there in Matthew 27, verse 7. Do you remember the 70, was it 70 pieces of silver that they paid Judas to betray Christ? How many? 30, thank you. 30 pieces of silver. He wasn't worth 70 in their eyes. 30 pieces of silver was given to Judas for Christ's life. And the problem was, was that Judas refused to re receive this blood money. Because those 30 pieces of silver with which they estimated the life of our Lord, the Son of God. And Judas says, I can't touch that. That's blood money. That's Jesus' blood are on that money. And he threw it back to the leaders of the Jewish people. And they said, well, we can't, we can't touch this. Why? It's blood money. 30 pieces of silver. It's blood. It's Christ's blood as we valued it. So what did they say? They said, take the money and go out and purchase what? A potter's field. Now, I know I'm using this as an illustration symbolically. But think about that. A potter's field. What would you find in a potter's field? You wouldn't even have to be an architect. You wouldn't even have to do any digging. You would find in the potter's field broken vessels. You'd find chipped vessels. You'd find everything I was talking about. Nothing useful would be in the potter's field. That would be on someone's house or kitchen. You would see just a bunch of broken vessels. And I think it's significant, symbolic that a potter's field of broken vessels was purchased with the blood money of Christ. When Christ himself and his father are the potter and we are the clay, this is a message of redemption. If you say, I feel valueless, Jesus has purchased you. You say, I have no significance, Jesus wants you on his potter's wheel today. You say, I don't know what use I can be. Jesus will make you, shape you, mold you. If you will, and if you allow him to do that, he will make you useful. This means that the world is a potter's field. But Jesus has purchased it. There is hope, forgiveness, and wholeness on the potter's wheel. No matter what state that lump comes on. If it says, my heart is open to you, Lord, it's soft enough for him to begin to work. What state are you in? Are you already on the potter's wheel? Is he struggling to form you, 
on the wheel of your circumstances? Are you softening yourself to the word and the spirit and to the ways of the master so that he can begin not just to use you, but creating you, making you the person he destined you to be? I close on this. I remember New Year's Eve 2000. We had that big celebration at our tabernacle venue. Anybody there, an all-nighter? You remember that? And it was past the middle of the night, and I thought, I'll just go to the bathroom and wash my face, keep myself going, because we had to make breakfast in a few hours' time for everybody. And as I went before the mirror, and I washed my face just to keep myself awake, and I stepped back and I just looked at my appearance in the mirror, and something happened of God. It was an internal vision. It was like my eye caught my eye in the mirror, and at once, I was eye to eye with myself. And as I looked at myself, an internal vision, I begin to see myself change. It was me, but I begin to see myself change as it were, as it were in the future. And it's hard for me to describe because it was more experienced than visual, but in my eyes and in my character, as I looked at myself, I saw myself without fear and confident. I saw myself bold in the things of the Spirit. I saw myself with a joy that I'd never experienced. I saw in my eyes a peace and assurance that comes with a very close knowledge of God. And I looked at that, and everything I wanted to be, everything I wanted to become seemed in that snapshot of eye to eye in this vision, that's what I wanted to become. And the Lord said, these are my purposes for you. It wasn't me doing anything. It was me fashioned to become the person that God wanted me to be. It was me who had been soft in his hand and I'd become the pinnacle of Bruce. It's hard to describe. But at that moment, I realized, you know what? There's a, there's a lot more to be done. I haven't reached the place. There's so much more that the potter wants to do in me. Don't reach the place where you just harden because you think, you know, it's time to put me in the fire and bring me out ready-made. There's so much more of you to come out. Somebody once said Christianity is simply a journey of self-discovery, discovering who you are in Christ. Oh, this is a message, I believe, from the throne of God. Why don't we just stand together? It may be that you've never been on the potter's wheel before. You say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, you didn't when you came in. But maybe you do now. You say, I'm getting on that wheel. And I'm going to be fashioned. Or as a Christian, I know that God has been speaking to you over there in the coronet as well. He's been speaking to us all in different ways and forms through different symbols of things that have been said. But when we walk out today... The heart needs to be softer. The circumstances are the same. The wheel is the same. The potter's the same. But for our good and the good of the kingdom of God, we need some softening done in our lives. Pliable. Easy for God to work with. Obedient. Hallelujah. Let's let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Just, you can soften in a moment. You can soften in a moment. Softening.
not hardening of hearts, but softening. Oh God, submit to you and your potter's hand. Mold me, make me on the wheel of my circumstances. Change me by the word. Mold me by your spirit. I leave disobedience behind and I come to you with a heart. Help me, Lord. Soften me, Lord. You know, sometimes I just pray the most basic prayer of all. Even when I feel like I'm too hard, I just say, Lord, I feel so hard. I don't know how to soften myself, but I do know enough to pray. Soften me. Have mercy on this vessel. Soften me, Lord. Soften me. Soften me, Lord. Soften us, Lord. Soften us. Soften your church. Because when we're hard, we can't hear your voice. When we're hard, we don't respond. When we're hard, we're not sensitive. When we're hard, we're being fashioned in a manner that's not your will. Soften us. Holy Spirit, we invite you in your mercy to do a work of God in our lives. Make us fit, Holy Spirit. For the wheel of the master and the hands of the master come upon us and begin to do his work. We trust you, Lord. We trust you on the wheel. We trust that you know what you're doing and where we're going. And we open ourselves to you.